0: A-B-L-E-S. EBLS. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then EBLS Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers, the ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebles helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebles, having a herniated disc in my back. Whew. Coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nickel Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. on applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time. That is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on. And our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> It's Wednesday, and that means it's time for, yes, another episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Hi there, folks. Brian Nichols here, your humble host, and today we are joined by, well, kind of a returning guest. Back from uh, an iteration of The Brian Nichols Show, it was Around the Republic over on Austin Peterson's The Libertarian Republic back in 2016. John Ziegler joined the Around the Republic to discuss uh, what it was like being a never-Trump conservative, and today he returns to the show to do just that, a kind of 2020 in-review Trump presidency, giving him a report card grade as a never-Trump conservative, but also looking towards the future. What does the 2022-2024 elections have in store for Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, and the like going forward? Is it Good. Well, John isn't as uh, as optimistic as maybe some of us are, but he makes his case as to why that is. So without further ado, on to the show. John Ziegler here on The Brian Nichols Show. Brian, good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you again, John. It's been a while, actually, so far back that the show had a different iteration. It was over on the Libertarian Republic. It was the, uh, the Re- I think, the Around the Republic podcast six, f- five years ago? Oh, my goodness. It was a while back. But, John, you've been doing the media circuits and Libertarian podcasting, especially over on Lions of Liberty, doing great work raising awareness for uh, for a lot of felony uh, issues and criminal justice issues. I know one of your big cases you've been focusing on was uh, Sandusky and such. But today, we're not here to talk about that. We want to do kind of a, a four years in review um I know when you were last in the show we discussed you were a uh, a never trump conservative but a conservative nonetheless and I know we saw some air quotes, conservatives, uh, who made that moniker as well, but it was quite obvious they weren't quite really conservative. So I would, I would love to hear kind of your, your take, right? Um, it's been mm-hmm. four years since we were last talking and a lot of the concerns you had, I think were from a true conservative principled standpoint. Were those concerns, uh, I guess, founded back four years ago. Now you're looking back, uh, in review. My concerns about Donald Trump. Yes, sir. a hundred percent. Um,
1: I feel exceedingly vindicated uh, in almost every area of my evaluation of Trump. I will say the one area that I was not uh, was the area of judges where Clearly, Trump has done uh, a phenomenal job. Now, granted, I don't think he had much to do with it. I think that Mitch McConnell and the Federal Society did all the work for him, and uh, he certainly uh, did not uh, know that uh, Kennedy was going to retire and that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was going to die. Uh, so, so I mean, I'll give him credit on judges, which is really Mitch McConnell's job. Um, uh, uh, but other than that. Um, It's hard to find an area where I I feel as if Donald Trump was truly a conservative. There was a tax cut, great, uh, that has been drowned out by uh, everything else and the massive amount of spending. So effectively, we just effectively took out a a bad uh, loan for the entire country uh, on our future. That's not a real tax cut if you're a conservative uh and um you know and and frankly his the greatest obviously the greatest challenge of his presidency uh was the covid crisis and he failed not because of the reasons that the left think he thinks he failed uh he failed catastrophically uh for probably the opposite reasons uh i think he completely uh, fell down i mean I, I mean just to show that i am a very open-minded guy. Uh, I'm. I'm more than willing to admit when I'm wrong, and um, and I have no ego at all. I have no emotional investment in my opposition to Donald Trump. When the COVID thing hit, I uh, even spoke at local protests here in Southern California, where I said, "Look, uh, if Trump shows me some balls, uh, I- I'll support him here." I-, I was told there would be balls. Ah, uh, but there but there were no balls. Uh, and, I mean, that's the one thing you you know the one argument you could make for for the Donald Trump presidency was he, he appeared to have balls, but when when it really came down to it, he had nothing. He had no balls at all uh, when it came to covid. and uh, and that, re, you know, I was disappointed by that. and um, and so, as far as the the overall uh, issue of, whether he was a conservative or not. I mean, he wasn't as liberal as I feared, but that's, but, but there are other issues that are more important than liberal conservative. Um, I I mean, I I personally believe that the Russian investigation should have led to his impeachment uh, and, and removal. If it was a legitimate, if we were living in a rational world, Uh, none of that was remotely conservative. And, uh, and then again, going back to COVID, you know, it, to me, the COVID situation is kind of like the old adage, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Uh, because uh, anything good uh, that he did has been completely obliterated uh, by what I believe to be the catastrophic and uh, and and forever. I, I don't think there's any way we ever recover from what's happened uh, with COVID over the last nine, ten months. And by the way, yeah, the judges are great. But where were the judges to help us here? Um, I mean, we got the one ruling belatedly on churches, uh, five to four, because Roberts is somehow flipped into a liberal. I, I have no idea. I, I was hopeful that that was a temporary circumstance because he hates Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, other than the Supreme Court stepping in on on church gatherings in New York, uh, there have been some lower court rulings that have gone in the right direction but they've been basically ignored the supreme court has been effectively out to lunch allowing all this to happen so you know i keep asking the trump people okay where's the benefit to all these judges you know the judges were supposed to save us in a situation like this and they've done nothing and so um so overall uh, i feel very comfortable in opposing Donald Trump from the beginning, and frankly, uh, you know, it's going to sound incredibly egotistical, but I, I don't, I don't know that there's another conservative left in the country that that didn't give up their principles at some point in this, uh, because I am as as infuriated with the so-called never Trump conservatives as I am a, a, anybody. I mean, what a, I think you already alluded to it. What a bunch of freaking frauds these people! Turned out to be, and some of them were my friends. I used to meet with them, you know, uh, back at the beginning of the Trump presidency. They, they did a conference call every week or so, and uh, via in New York City via Zoom and whatever. And uh, and uh, and I thought they were a little nuts, uh, but I didn't think they were complete frauds. But my God, never Trump conservatism basically just became a way to virtue signal for the left. Uh, it was a minstrel show. That's what it turned into. It was a minstrel show uh, so to please their left-wing media masters. And, and, then, and that was clear for a long time, but it never became more clear than in the COVID situation. Oh my God. Some of the things yeah. that supposedly yeah. Republicans came out in favor of simply because they needed to show their virtue to their left-wing followers on Twitter and their left-wing media <laughs> masters was just ridiculous. And uh, And I never did any of that. So Um, You know, and let's be clear, um, I predicted, I did not predict his election in 2016, but I predicted immediately after he was elected that Democrats would take back the House in 2018, that uh, Trump would then be impeached, he would then be acquitted, he would then be defeated by Joe Biden, and that we would still not have the House of Representatives. I may have predicted we also would lose the Senate. We still could lose the Senate, depending on what happens in Georgia. So I, I think that my predictions for what, how this would all go down have turned out to be uh, uh, probably more prescient than anybody else's hands.
0: Well, let's uh, circle back like four or five years ago when you were first in the show, right? One of the things that we were focusing on was, and you started to allude towards it earlier was the, the corporate media, right? And this has been one of the, and I think if we are actually, you know, to remove ourselves for a second and objectively look back, you know, 50 years from now that the, the, just complete disregard for any sense of objectivity from the corporate media is maybe one of the biggest issues that we as a country have had to face and has led to our current schism between really two sides of America because it's... It truly is the definition of gaslighting when you'll have a, a corporate media that has one particular narrative that they will parrot nonstop. And and granted, during the, the Trump administration, I would say that narrative was necessary. But then as soon as Biden goes into office, now we're talking about his dog and the psychic reading his dog's thoughts. And it's like, well, where was that intensity that we had literally a month ago? Right. And And I think your average person, they are waking up to more of the issues that we were talking about four short years ago. I couldn't agree more with
1: that, and I, and I think this goes to my credibility on Trump, where I have defended him many times against unfair media coverage. And I could not agree more with uh, the, even the average per- it's so obvious now that, as you said, even the average person can see, just in the tone, when we go from eight years of having your pom-poms out for Barack Obama. I mean, pom-poms. Nothing but pom-poms as they were cheerleading for Barack Obama. Then all of a sudden, they te- turn into rabid pit bulls for, for four years to an unprecedented extent, even, even blaming Trump for 200 and, I don't remember any thousand deaths it was at the time of the election, which was ludicrous. As, as if America was the only country that, w- that was suffering through the, the same exact pandemic, yet they were they were seriously with and without hesitation basically calling him a murderer. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was asinine. It was absurd. And I believe that uh, at least part of why Trump got so many votes in 2020, and there were a lot of reasons, but one of them, I think there was a backlash uh, against that. I think there was a sense that this is not fair. This guy's being attacked unfairly. I think that in many ways, it almost worked his favor because there's nothing li- led Conservatives like more than when someone bashes the news media, and so, um, and I know this from personal experience. I've done a documentary film about the media coverage of Barack Obama in the right. 2008 election. We dug into that last traveled, time. Yeah. It traveled all over the country, uh, showing it, and 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 you know, so I agree that the coverage of Trump uh, has been completely unfair, even though. It hasn't been all inaccurate. See, that's that's the part that I don't like. Conservatives who will then say, "Well, it's if it's we've now gotten to the point where if it's in the New York Times, it must be false." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! That's not the way. That's not the way this works." No, you had to take this on in, in a case by case situation, and uh, and so it, it, we are living in two worlds. And and speaking of predictions, I'm sounding like an. Inc- Incredible narcissist here, but I actually wrote a book in 2005 called "The Death of Free Speech," where I predicted that the fragmentation of our news media was going to cause us to eventually live in two different countries, the two different realities. And even I don't think I could have possibly imagined that it would happen this dramatically and and this fast. Uh, Even though it's not that fast; it's 15 years later. But I mean, in you know, cultural terms. Uh, you know, my gosh, I mean, we we are living in two totally different worlds right now. And, and the news media, I think, is one of the big losers in this election, even though their guy Biden won. There were oh, well over 70 million people who voted for a guy that they said was the worst president of all time and was effectively a murderer. Yep. So that means that over 70 million people think that little of the mainstream news media, that they were willing to vote for Donald Trump. That's pretty
0: amazing. Not only is it amazing, but I think it speaks to, um, and actually it actually kind of goes back to when you were on the show last time, we were worried that there might be a, a moving away from the principles, right? We are looking conservative, liberal, progressive, socialist versus libertarian. And now it's more so, you know, it, it's like a populist message. It's it's my side versus your side. And man, that gets scary, right? Because when you're no longer like going back to some fundamental, you know, principles we can agree on, and it just goes back to your, your tribe hive mind. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, I look at you know, the 20th century, and I can see some examples of some hive mind across Europe, and it did not end out too well. And, you know, I, I get nervous because I think a lot of people out there, while they are calling out the BS for the BS that it is, There are a, you know, to the other point of the 7 million, now the the close to 80 million folks, we think, who voted for Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris, who they do look at, I would say, in some instances, the other side as the enemy. Now, is that fair for everybody? Of course not. But there has been the loudest voices, I would say, that have been propped up by some of what we've considered to be the trusted names, air quotes, in news. And now those voices have been propagating some pretty, you know, I would say hateful rhetoric out there from both sides. And I guess I, I'd ask you, John, do you think part of it has been because we've gotten away from a conversation about issues and more about different people? And that's where we're starting to lose the well, uh, the grip to talk to each other. Well, let me,
1: well, this, this is a whole three hour at least show uh, <laughs> to answer that question, but let me give you the shortest version of it. I can, and, and it kind of alludes back to the, my book that I told you about uh, this all happened i believe fundamentally because the news media's business model broke see that 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 was the moment that that it was the point of no return uh you see uh it used to be that when you had a major newspaper or a tv station or even a radio station had a license to print money therefore you didn't really care that much about using the the content uh for some sort of agenda Because you could afford to, in most cases, remain objective, and you also didn't have to juice stories with fake news. Because fake news is about the fact that, I mean, this is really getting deep, but fake news is about commerce more than it is about political agenda. Because let's face it, up until 2020, real life is usually very boring and boring stories don't make for good ratings, uh, which is uh, which you know w- which was okay in the 1970s when there were four TV stations and only three were doing news, and uh, you you could put anything you wanted out there and you were going to make a boatload of money because you had massive ratings. Now everybody is scrambling for every crumb they can find in the ratings. Uh, situation. Therefore, they need to juice the story because we've seen this in many, many circumstances now where, uh, you know, a a mundane story gets turned into something far more uh, salacious than it is because it's a great narrative. Uh, And so when you combine uh, that, the broken business model, causing the standards to go into the, the toilet, and then you force even the New York Times, even the New York Times now is beholden, not just to their subscribers, but to woke Twitter. That's ballgame. It's over. The New York Times, the paper of record, now routinely changes stories if too many liberals on Twitter don't like the way the story makes them Feel not not that the story's inaccurate. That too many don't like the way it makes them feel. Mm -hmm. That's ball game. It's over. It is over. When even the New York Times is forced to do that, and and that's when it. By the way, that is really what's driving the political agenda. It's not so much that everybody that works at the New York Times voted for Joe Biden. That clearly plays a role, but the bigger Motivation is they know who their masters are now they don't give a flying f about conservatives because they know conservatives aren't paying their bills and so so that now and I've always thought, this goes way way back I, I I mean I've always been a contrarian I guess uh because I'm looking maybe i don't know i don't maybe I look at this more as chess instead of checkers but I've always felt like Fox News Channel was going to be a terrible thing for conservatives. And I've always felt that the end of the fairness doctrine, while I abhorred it from a libertarian standpoint, was going to be terrible for conservatives. Because effectively what we were doing was we were marginalizing ourselves in our own little echo chamber and seeding. 60% of the country to the rest of the media, which no longer had any interest, need, any, they they couldn't even be guilted into giving a damn about what conservatives think. You see what I'm saying? So, and it's not a coincidence that we're now, you know, in a situation where Republicans cannot win the popular vote uh, in a presidential election. In fact, if you look back to the advent of Rush Limbaugh and Fox News Channel, um, I believe since we're even Rush started, I haven't looked at this recently, but I think Republicans have only won two popular vote presidential elections Wild. since Rush Wild. started doing his show. And one was by the skin of the teeth uh, in, in 2004. So um, I, I just, um, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I mean, now, now, you know, yeah, uh, correlation doesn't mean causation, but I, I do think that there is a, a a causation there, and I don't think it's coincidental, and um, and I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't know if there's any way to go back because I, I think it's only it's as bad as it is. I think it's only going to get worse because we there, there's we've left the the gravitational pull of the of the Earth of the rational Earth where there's nothing pulling us back now. The only the only you know I actually thought maybe COVID. If it, if it brought about uh, economic catastrophe for the entire media industrial complex might actually be a godsend in this one area. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen because it's juiced their ratings so much. No, I mean, yeah. it means, yeah. So um, so I unless, you know, b- enormous number of these news outlets go out of business and many local newspapers have. But um, I guess, but but they've been replaced by you know hundreds of internet outlets, and so there's nothing that's ever in the internet age. I don't see how you're ever going to get around fragmentation, and fragmentation destroys journalism because it destroys the business model. And um, and I know that's a very involved uh, answer to your question, but I, I I think it's important for context.
0: Yeah, well, then I guess the question going forward into the future, right, is how do we I guess, how do we have some success? Um, so my, you know, profession by trade, I'm, I'm a sales manager. I I lead a sales team. And one of the things that we try to do here on the show is how do we sell liberty? How do we, you know, create value and be problem solvers? And one of the things when I'm looking at, you know, going forward is I see there's a lot of people out there who I would dare lump into the normal people world, right? There's a group of people out there who are being woefully underrepresented in politics as. Normal people. And I think we, and I'm saying little L, libertarians, friends of liberty, we have a responsibility to actually reach out to those people as normal people, talking the language that, you know really is it's entering the conversations that they're already having in their own minds. But to your point, right, we've almost gotten to the point where we're having two different conversations. Nay, I would even say we're almost speaking two different languages. So I guess, John, you know, when we're looking into 2022, 2024 and beyond, and I know this is a, a tough question to really give you a succinct answer, but I mean, what do you think is going to be the best way that we can maybe try to build some bridges? Or do you think we're just, we're too far gone to even uh, have any remnants of uh, some, some success in, in language barriers there?
1: Well, I'm, I'm not going to be the, the right guy for this uh, answer because um, I, I'm inherently a, a pessimist, even though I, I, I actually consider myself to be a delusional optimist because if, if you believed uh, what I believe about where we're heading, uh, you, you probably would have killed yourself a long time ago. Um, um, and, and so I, I try to hold on to hope as, as much as I can. But um, as far as the libertarian aspect of this, I mean, my gosh, we just had a presidential election with the two worst candidates in my lifetime, where civil liberties were being crapped on on a daily basis. And the libertarian candidate, well, she wasn't great, uh, you know, got 1% of the vote. So um, that doesn't bode well, uh, you know, for and I voted for her simply because I couldn't pull the, the, the lever or, or check the box for either Trump or, or Biden. Um, and um, and so to me, you know, that's pretty hopeless right there. I mean, what what can you possibly do? I mean, liberty is dead. I mean, it's it's over. I mean, we, we it, it, it pro- obviously it was over before 2020. And and I didn't fully realize that I knew it was in trouble. Uh, there were signs of it that it was in trouble for a long time. But I even I was, and this is where my delusional optimism comes in. Even I was kind of shocked that, um, that liberty was so weak, uh, that there was no pushback at all, uh, against, uh, so many absurd violations of our civil liberties. That, by the way, even if you, even if you believe that COVID is the worst pandemic to ever hit man, would be. Completely absurd in a country that, you know, is no, our brand was liberty and freedom. I mean, people always say to me, but John, what about the rest of the world? Well, hold, hold, hold on a second. First of all, we were the freaking United States of America. It was our entire brand that we are, you know, the place for freedom and liberty, okay? We, we're the place of the Statue of Liberty, okay? So so the, the we, we should have been the last to fall. Instead, uh, we were effectively one of the first to fall. And by the way, that had an enormous impact on the rest of the world. When the rest of the world looks and sees that the mighty United States of America, home of freedom and liberty, you know, uh, and and supposedly the brave, um, wh- when we collapse immediately and totally, uh, that has an enormous impact on the rest of the world. I would like to believe that if the United States had held firm and said, look, this is going to suck, we got to do the best we can, uh, but we're not going to let it destroy who we are and and handle this with any kind of rationality, that other countries would have followed that same path. I really do believe that. Uh, I mean, that's how much influence we have. But when you lose lose the the country most well-known for freedom and liberty, and by the way, somebody needs to, no one will because it doesn't fit the narrative, but somebody, it is a great book or documentary for somebody to tell the story of how quickly those decisions were made, and by how few people they were made in, in just a few days in March, we, our entire country was altered by a handful of people, many of whom are not even elected. Uh, um, I mean, and, and and I will I will submit, and this is going to sound crazy to people who. Uh, didn't think of it this way or filed this way. I will submit that the Ivy league basketball tournament uh, played an incredibly uh, absurdly outsized role in, in the destruction of America, because <clears throat> that, that, that was the first, I don't know if you remember this, but they were the first to say we are canceling not yep. preventing yep. fans or whatever. We are canceling, our, our championship basketball tournament. And I was like, what, 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 what? And I knew immediately that that was going to have an enormous uh, domino effect because first of all, everybody in academia, it's like the New York times and the media, if the Ivy league is doing it, Oh, well, that's what the smart guys are doing. We better, we better not be outside what the smart guys are doing because now we have no political cover. So now it's a wildfire and and now everybody starts canceling everything and now now the the narrative is set that oh my god this is unprecedented we've never seen anything like this before holy cow you know head for our caves and then gavin newsom pulls the trigger on shutting down the largest state in the country based upon a prediction of his that was not just wrong it was comically catastrophically wrong he said that we would have 25 million cases in eight weeks. We are 10 months into this, and we've just now reached over 1 million cases. Wow, That's, yeah. that, is, that, is a, that is a comical, comical, if it wasn't such a serious issue, comically bad projection on which to base uh, the shutting down of a state. And once he does that, it's over. So I, I would I would argue because then every every blue state governor has to do the same thing. My God, California did it. Uh, if they did it, and they got the largest economy, the most people, uh, then then we have to do it too. So I would argue that whoever and I don't even know the name of the person that made the decision to the Ivy League, but I, I would submit that those two people, Gavin Newsom and the and the head of the Ivy League uh, basketball tournament, they were the only two people that did this. Two people. Uh, they, they 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 created an impossible force uh, that, that is now, it's still, you know, it's a tidal wave that is still flowing through America 10 months later and will continue to even after we have a vaccine. Uh, um, and and that, to, that maybe is the part that is most astonishing to me, that, 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 that this could happen so fast with so few people involved with no pushback. And I got to say, part of the problem was Donald Trump. And this goes you know, this goes back to the beginning of our conversation. If Donald Trump was not president, I believe with every fiber of my being, none of this happens. If Hillary is running for re-election, there's not a chance in hell the Ivy League panics the way that they did. They, that Governor Newsom shut. You think Governor Newsom is going to shut down California at the beginning of an election year, where where his girl Hillary is running for reelection? Are you kidding me? There's there's no chance of that happening. None. And and even if it had been a normal Republican who was president, uh, you know, I don't know, a Marco Rubio or. Uh, you know somebody like that who was not hated. Jeb exclamation hate point. point. I'm sorry. Jeb, Jeb exclamation, exclamation point. point. Right. 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 Let's pretend Jeb exclamation point. Who, uh, who never really had a chance. But let's let's pretend he was president. I I don't believe any of this happens either because what drove so much of this was the hatred of Trump. Uh, for instance, I, I don't believe we have masks. All over the country today, unless Donald Trump is president, because the reason why Trump, masks got traction is because they became a virtue signal against Trump. That's what, and I, I, I am, I'm even more convinced of what I'm about to tell you than I am that none of this happens if Hillary was running for re-election. If can you imagine if, if in March or April, Trump had come out in favor of a national mask mandate? Liberals would have said, "Go f yourself. Go, go f yourselves. Masks don't work. Everyone knows masks don't don't, don't work. Listen to Fauci. He said masks don't work. Uh, you know, listen to the Surgeon General, the CDC. They don't work. This fascist is trying to get us to wear masks to control us. And and, and masks would have been dead on arrival in the liberal world and in the liberal media. But because it becomes a virtue signal against Trump." now it gets traction and i i'm convinced part of the reason why and i'm sure you know about this but 98 percent of the public doesn't know that when fauci goes on 60 minutes in early march and mocks masks i mean mocks them absolutely mocks the idea that a mask a normal mask can do anything to stop a virus it's, it's it, i mean it's just an absurdity and science has known this for a very long time that part of why he is mocking them, is it never occurs to him that the American people are going to be demanding a mask mandate, that it would even be remotely plausible in the United States of America, that you could force people to wear masks. That's just, that was not in our, we didn't think it was in our DNA. Well, because of Trump, our DNA changed. And that is why I feel very secure in my uh, opposition to Trump, because basically Trump, um, what what Trump fans don't understand about politics is that it's not just how many people like you, it's how many people hate you. And when you are hated by 52, 53, whatever it is, percent of the population, when you are viscerally hated, you cannot govern that nation. And he becomes effectively a reverse midas where everything he touches turns to crap if he had come out against schools opening schools would have opened up because liberals would have seen this as an f you to trump and he he must be wrong if he's saying if we're, he's going to keep schools closed f you we're going to we're going to show you we're going to educate our children that's because it's clear cut that the opposite happened when trump came out rightly in favor of schools opening Uh, You know, I've often joked on my podcast, it's not even really a joke. I wish I wish Trump would would, you know, do the opposite of what he wants to do, because then liberals would go for it. Uh, um, And and schools and masks and uh, sports, by the way, you know, I I think it's amazing that there is a semblance of college football this year that shows you how powerful college football is, because Trump put liberal academics especially in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, in an impossible situation because he forced them to do something Donald Trump wanted in order to get football to be played. And I'm sure they didn't want to do that, but they eventually had to cave because that's how powerful college football is. So that was the exception that proved the rule.
0: Well, John, my gosh, we said we uh, we could get somebody to maybe do a documentary. I think we're going to go ahead and give a, a buzz to Matt Kibby and Jeffrey Tucker from AIR, see if we can get them on the case. But we could go on for hours, but unfortunately, we're at our time here. So, John, let's do some plugs. Where can folks go ahead and find you and support all the work you're doing?
1: Well, I for at least the next few weeks, I still do the Individual One podcast about the Trump presidency. And you can find me on Twitter at Zygmunt Freud. Uh, that's uh, at Zygmunt Freud uh, and uh, at freespeechbroadcasting.com.
0: John, I'll make sure I include all the links to uh, your content in the show notes. But as always, it's fantastic to catch up with you. Please keep on uh, keep on doing what you're doing over not only at Twitter, but also uh, you know helping really promote the ideas of free speech. I think we really need to have more voices like you out there. So thank you for all you're doing. And as always, you have a fun uh, fun guest here on The Brian Nichols Show.
1: Thanks, Brian. And also my columns at Mediate. Don't forget those. I'm a senior columnist there. and I write there about once a week.
0: We'll make sure we include the links there, John. Thanks so much as always. Thanks, Brian. A quick read from our new sponsor, and that is the Expat Money Show. Now, if you are a longtime listener or even a relatively new listener here on the Brian Nichols Show, then you remember our good friend Mikkel Thorup from the Expat Money Show. What an episode to learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there or to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies register there, learn there, get your kids educated there, or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikhail Thorup, originally started as a podcast but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location, independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with John Ziegler. Always a fantastic conversation with John. Do me a favor, if you have not yet, go ahead and support John's work over at Mediite. And uh, as always, do me a favor, while you're over supporting our, our amazing guests, make sure you tell them that Brian Nichols sent you. Now, folks, some housekeeping heading up here as we get to Friday. We have an amazing returning guest Brad Palumbo returns to the show. We're going to discuss the student loan debt crisis or can we call it that? Well, Brad makes his case as to why maybe this is a little overblown, but also how the uh, the proposal to quote unquote cancel, okay, cancel student loan debt um would actually be one of the most regressive actions that Democrats could take. Uh guys, I, I, I got so much, I want to tell you. But we have a lot of stuff that we're doing behind the scenes right now. Some big, big news going to be uh, coming out here in the next uh, couple of days. I hope, fingers crossed. So make sure you are hitting subscribe and you are not missing a single episode of the Brian Nichols Show so you can hear all the amazing new things that are happening over here. It's so exciting. Uh, guys, no, seriously, I'm I'm so humbled, um, but also so excited at the opportunities that are popping up here for us to spread the message of liberty. We are making a difference and that is so freaking cool because we're seeing folks listening and starting to learn how to sell liberty. And when folks are selling liberty out in the wild, guess what? People are starting to ask questions. Tell me more about this libertarian world. And we're starting to bring people into the movement. We're starting to use our resources the way that we're supposed to. And it's making more libertarians. So keep sharing the show. When you do, make sure you tag me at Liberty on Facebook, Twitter, while well, we still can. But going forward, parlor.com and vines.com, B Nichols Liberty and email me brian at Show.com if you just want to say hi or if you want to go ahead and send that screenshot of your 5 star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, because what happens you get entered into our awesome Evils Topical Freeze Gel giveaway. Again, that's a 5 star rating and review. Send that screenshot brian at briannicholsshow.com Com. So, guys, I, again, so much coming down the pike. You don't want to miss a single episode, so make sure you are subscribed and you are listening to every single episode here of The Brian Nichols Show. Again, a lot in store, but with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for John Ziegler. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.